1: You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin, not Andrew Irwin. That's my little brother. I am joined by Harrison Fagan, (laughs) who we had an interesting weekend. I hurt my foot sleeping um, and then made it even worse by dancing on it at a wedding. And then, Harrison, you had beer spat in your face.
1: Yeah, I was not planning on getting into this story on the podcast but uh yeah i did get i did get a little misted on the dance floor this weekend
0: whoever did it has incredible lung capacity to reach all the way up like past your giraffe oh, okay neck. now i know why you didn't okay
1: <laughs> just get into where people can find the show i'm I'm RP sick of you
0: all
1: right so uh
0: today's show we're gonna do uh we're gonna talk a little bit uh you know there's not very much news to go over but Uh, One little tidbit, the Lakers looking for a player development person is interesting, Uh, and we're going to talk about why that's interesting. That's going to be in the the A block of the show. We're going to take a little break, and on the other side of the break, we are going to talk about the Lakers' power forward situation, and it's a doozy. Uh, Harrison said he researched up on everything.
1: I have not. I, ha- I have facts to make you look like an idiot.
0: <laughs> Even though we're probably going <laughs> to agree, <laughs> so. probably. <laughs> um, so that's going to be today's show. As always, find it on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Use those promo codes. Uh, let's get into this player development story. I'll let you give the facts and the background on it, as you probably wrote about it, and then we'll go from there as to why we find it interesting that it hasn't been filled yet
1: yeah so the lakers over the weekend interview or it was they didn't do it over the weekend but it came out i think friday night if i remember correctly that they had interviewed Corey mcgetty lester connor and mo peterson for their director of player development position which they had uh they had a guy named uh rondre jackson there last season but he was let go he was let go as part of the front office overhaul and everything and what I did there were a couple things that I thought were interesting about this report number one was the timing like I was kind of surprised that they hadn't filled a position like this yet you would think that that would be an important thing for a young team although I guess you could argue that taking their time they're just trying to find exactly the right guy I don't know maybe they had I guess they had other concerns with the draft and free agency and so now they know what their roster is and they know like what type of skills they should be targeting for this position but I still thought it was a little bit interesting that they waited this long I don't know and then I also thought that it was just interesting. The names that they had in there, it was kind of, it was all former players, which I think kind of shows that they want somebody with a little bit of cachet that can say to these young players, Hey, I played in the NBA. I had a long career. Here's how you can do the same thing. All right. So we'll talk, we'll talk about the timing first. Uh, the timing, I I think it's,
0: it is weird that they haven't filled this role yet
1: i don't think it the other anything... thing that I just thought of is they may not have wanted to pay somebody until closer to the season, but that's just speculation on my part
0: yeah i don't see i don't think that's necessarily the case because I don't think the Lakers are necessarily penny pinchers um, i mean I, I guess I guess historically that isn't that hasn't necessarily been the case given how thin a crew they seem to have under Jim and mitch uh, so I think maybe maybe there's something there but I think the bigger thing is, I don't. I, I'd like to know. Based on the experiences from across the NBA, how many player development teams
1: uh, are involved in draft processes? Right? Because I mean, you, you got, probably not a lot.
0: Well, the reason. Well, I, would, I guess.
1: Oh, the draft process. Yeah, not actually the drafting of players, no. but working them out. Right. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. like
0: what, what would that? What would that team? Because. Of everybody who's going to deal with these young guys as their careers begin, I would probably imagine it's probably going to... The the player development team is probably going to be one of the loudest voices in that experience early on as they'll have, right? And so...
1: And the other thing about this particular opening is that Brad Turner of the LA Times, we should credit him, he's the one who reported that they were doing this, but he also said that this person would be an assistant and report directly to Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, which makes me think that maybe, I thought it was interesting because it really shows that they want to have a lot of ownership over this process of developing these players, I would imagine, if this is someone that they want reporting directly to them because it means that they have an idea for how they'd like these guys to develop and that they want to work in tandem with someone and that also means that that person if they were working with those two guys might have been a little bit maybe more involved in the draft process than most player development people
0: so i'm looking at these names Corey mcgetty lester connor mo peterson those aren't exactly inspiring
1: well, Corey Maggette took his name out of the running, and the Lakers are continuing to interview other candidates over the coming weeks. That, that is not the final list. Those mm-hmm. are the three guys that they've interviewed so far. And I do think that it is important to note that nicknames aren't everything, but Lester Connor's nickname on basketball reference, I am somehow not kidding or making this up, is The Molester. Well, that's probably a
0: good place to start when they're working so with young
1: kids. That's and, regrettable. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, re- regardless of what I mean, basketball reference needs to change that. Like, that was... It was a different time. I get it. I get that it was for tight defense. But, yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, that, kind of, that that nickname should maybe change. Um yeah. I
0: think... All right, so... In terms of the kind of guys that the Lakers are interviewing, typically speaking, I could see why former players would be would would take precedent over others in terms of uh player development coaches because like you said, they've been there before. They've they've I this is why I'm not really thrilled by the names that are here because these guys, Corey Maggette, Lester Connor and uh Moe Peterson, they don't, you know, jump off the page in terms of guys who have had overwhelming success in the NBA. Uh so, you know, i I'd, I'd I'd maybe like to see somebody who has done a little bit more in their time uh, in the league,
1: maybe they should hire Kobe.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, but <laughs> I, the the Dodgers right now have because uh, I look for those. I've I've had some people kind of mention that they get kind of frustrated that I always link back to the Dodgers. Look, the Dodgers right now are probably one of and Magic runs the Dodgers. It's relevant. Yeah, like one of the most, if not probably one of the best run organizations across the NBA or across MLB. the MLB. MLB. And so, as such, and given that Magic Johnson has direct ties to that organization, I would hope that he would maybe learn from what they're doing over there and figure out you know, how he could bring that over to the Lakers. Um, so far, I haven't seen that manifest itself in, in incredible ways.
1: Uh, well, they're still playing basketball, so I think that would be the main difference. Uh, that Slightly I haven't different. seen change so far yet. And when I, they start playing know. baseball, then we'll know that the influence really hit.
0: <laughs> Magic just starts like, hit a home run. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> but, so, but I, I could see the, the thing with baseball, the difference between baseball and basketball, it's a lot easier to statistically analyze baseball than basketball. Uh, baseball, it, it's technically, and by definition, a team sport, but it's it's really a, the the addition of a bunch of individual talents and performances and trying to you know kind of make that work as best you can you just kind of want to put as many uh good players on the field at the same time and you don't necessarily have to worry about chemistry all that much the only place where chemistry really takes part is between pitchers and catchers and then it's second base where you have double plays formed uh between the shortstop and second baseman other than that like in the outfield. you it's pretty. It's pretty generic rules that you have out there. Um, basketball, though, you, it, everything's intermingled, so it's kind of it's you know it, it's kind of tough to draw direct ties in terms of how to run an organization from one way to the other between sports. But there are things that like the Dodgers have done really well. They've their player development guy, and, and I'm blanking on his name, but he's this like preparation freak. He it's he's really into nutrition. He's uh, he's had a, a really good track record. The Dodgers, as uh, an organization, have developed their players really well. So, you know, and, and to be fair, uh, if I was to find this guy's name, and, and I'm like I said, I'm blanking on it, but if I was to find this guy's name, he didn't have – an overwhelming MLB uh, career as well. So,
1: I mean, maybe that isn't as necessary. Sometimes but. those grinders are the best guys for a job like this because that's, you're going to be able to help the most players with that kind of, my, like, if things didn't come as naturally to you. It's a lot of the time it's the guys that came that the game came more naturally to that have a struggle as teachers because they're like, no, just go be awesome. Like, why can't you just do that? Yeah. Do, do cool stuff. Yeah. And so, and the guy's name is
0: Gabe Kapler, by the way. Um, he had an okay career. He was an okay MLB player, but he's not somebody who you, like, write home, you write to your grandchildren or you bounce your grandchildren on your knee and you tell them. I mean,
1: it would be weird if you did write to your grandchildren about a player development coach. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I'm just talking about, like the player he was. Like, he, oh, at God. no point will I tell my grandchildren, I watched Gabe Kapler hit a line drive single into right field once unless know,
1: like. they listen to this podcast and <laughs> and you know in that case like good job anthony's yeah. grandkids <laughs> thanks for your support
0: uh but uh, if my grandchildren never listen to this podcast they'll never listen to me about anything ever again but i i think with with these guys that the lakers have mentioned and like you said this isn't the full list and we'll see which direction they actually go in but I would like to hear a little bit more about their track record in actually developing players. Like Corey McGetty Mag- pulling his name out of the running, sure. But I don't know how much coaching background he has. I don't know what he's necessarily done. He's done. On, he he works right now for SN. He he like helps on uh, Clippers broadcasts. But I, I don't know what kind of background he has in, in in all the coaching that you'd like in this in this experience. Uh so we'll see what this turns out to be. But I, I do think like you said it's interesting that they haven't filled it yet. Uh and that goes with other positions. Like we know that they cleared house and we thought that they would maybe fill it as you know quickly as they could as they got into the draft process. Uh but you know, some of the a lot of these positions we don't know if they haven't been filled, but it hasn't been reported that they've definitely been filled, which would lead me to believe that they probably are still vacant. Uh, so we'll see what how this. I think
1: in the coming weeks we'll start to hear a lot more about these stuff. We'll get more official announcements as we get closer to the season. That seems like the time for it.
0: Yeah, and and I'm going to be that. I don't want to be that that Facebook commenter guy who you know sees pictures of Magic Johnson on his yacht. And doesn't tell him to like, hey, get back into. Why are you not on the phone? (laughs) Yeah, why get back in the front office? Like, I'm not that guy, but yeah, I mean, at some point, these positions need to be filled. The analytics department, we heard that they were going to beef it up. Like, I I reported it, Uh, and and it was then confirmed by an Eric Pinkus report. And we heard that, this, that they were going to beef up that analytics team, but we haven't heard anything about that. So that's something to definitely watch for in the coming weeks.
1: The last time they made additions to their analytics team, it was a little closer to the season that they announced it. So I would imagine it'll be a similar thing.
0: Yeah. And it's nothing to freak out about. It's just August content. So speaking of <laughs> August content, uh, we are going to talk about the power forward position. Uh, the Lakers have a lot going on there, and they have a lot of players who deserve minutes there and so we're going to talk about that in a bit before we do that we're going to take a quick break uh so so catch your breaths and and get ready for harrison to to yell at me a bunch about how much better julia's you're wrong anthony
1: i don't know what your take is yet but you're wrong (laughs)
0: let's get to it
1: is that the new iphone yeah got it on t-mobile fastest iphone deserves america's fastest lte network
0: Where do we start with this front court? Who? It's pretty obvious, I think, at this point that Julius Randle is going to be the starting power forward. But given the nature of that starting lineup, should he
1: be? Well, I don't know. That's a complicated question. I think you kind of you have to give him the opportunity to play to start at power forward number one because he's the highest kind of level prospect that you have there at least in terms of where he was drafted mm-hmm. and he's also going to enter restricted free agency at the end of this year, or just unrestricted free agency or get moved and the Lakers, they have to see what they have in him and I think that the important thing to remember is that we've seen little bits and pieces. Julius Randle is like, we, we've seen a bunch of different little intriguing bits and pieces from it's him, awesome. but yeah, he's never been able to put it all together and I think he is going to be made... He might be the guy that benefits most from playing with Juanzo. I don't know if that's a hot take. Is that a hot take? I think the guy he's going to benefit from playing with the most is going to be Brook Lopez. Brooke Lopez will definitely help too but I, I think Randall he showed such an aptitude last season in transition and especially with those kickback passes and setting screens and like leveling guys so that his guy could take a three I just think that the way that the Lakers are going to play on the break with Lonzo is only going to encourage more of those types of things and Randall became as the season went on a better playmaker in the open floor as well and so I think that they're kind of go-go style between that and then and the half court having a guy like Brook Lopez that can space the floor a little bit i think is going to help him tremendously and i do think that he should be the starter
0: yeah i would i would agree i think he should be the starter at least uh, initially to start the season I, I don't think like you know some people might make the argument that maybe Lou Waldang should be the starting power forward because of how much money he's making and you know basically how he might fit alongside Uh, Brooke Lopez and just offering more more spacing but I think the Lakers will really need uh, Julius Randle's rebounding and the defense and the defensive half court and that helps him get it out into transition I do wonder when he gets a rebound he likes to put the ball on the floor and get everybody going uh, into transition I do wonder if the Lakers might ask him to get the ball to Lonzo a little bit more quickly versus trying to go coast to coast or trying to dribble into somebody's defender and handing the ball
1: off, because yeah, it'll that'll be interesting to see for sure.
0: Yeah. So and and you know and that's something that again, like if if their if their talents don't necessarily mesh like that, they have somebody like Larry Nance Jr. who is a, I think a little bit easier to slot into a, a, a starting five because and it, that's not to say that again, people think I don't like Julius Randle. I, I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, I don't I don't think he's going to be really good. I think he you know at best he'll be a good nba player uh but i i think the days of hoping that he turns into like a a multi-time all-star and all these things like that's probably a thing of the past at this point um but
1: i I think what i he would need the shot and he would need to be a better defender and i don't know that you're going to get both of those things that's asking for a lot
0: yeah and and it's and people think like it's
1: easy to just add a jumper and to just get better on yeah, defense. Yeah, just just shoot more. That's why that's why we're all Kyle Korver after having played basketball our whole lives. Right. Yeah. So, and, I think, and you mentioned the rebounding thing. He is Brook Lopez is a fairly mediocre at best rebounder, and so Randall is. They are going to need him on the glass for sure. Yeah, and and look, I, I think him and Brook Lopez is a really interesting front court. Like it's
0: it's one of, it, it, they fit. Together pretty well because if Brook Lopez,
1: it's, it's the best guy to cover up for Randall's flaws since the last two guys, Mozgov and Hibbert, that we were convinced were going to help cover up Randall's flaws. Yeah, yeah. So Though I think Lopez does a lot more on offense than either of those guys yes, could. Definitely, definitely. You know? I'm I'm being partially facetious. I'm just we we have to acknowledge that we've been wrong about this stuff before. Like we thought that Mozgov would help Randall on defense. That didn't really happen that much. We thought that. Roy Hibbert kind of similar deal so yeah yeah no I I, and I think both and I don't know that Lopez were really expecting him to help Randall on defense that much the offense thing and being able to space the floor that is big because now finally the Lakers Randall may not have as clogged of a paint when he's doing these kind of head down bully ball drives to the rim yeah
0: and and I think also Lopez being because I think Hibbert was it was a smart defensive player but offensively, he was maybe the worst front court player I've ever seen. Um, Mozgov was just kind of like Mozgov
1: is literally the definition of mediocre. Uh, yeah, he's just like he's there. Yeah, he, he's not he's not actively harmful, but he's not really good. Yeah, he's either. not going to
0: add anything to you. He's not going to take anything away. He's just going. to Mozgov is like take a take league
1: average away. create player in two k. <laughs> yeah, like
0: yeah, Mozgov is like if you're trying to fill out a roster, but you don't feel like you know signing a league minimum guy, you just create like a rookie that you just say be. Yeah, you average. just auto draft him. Yeah, like, that's that's Mozgov. Uh, so Lopez, I think. I don't think he brings as much as either of those guys do defensively, but offensively he is worlds better. Like, yes. Like, leaps, bounds, strides, everything. He's he playing is. a
1: different sport than those two on offense. Yeah,
0: and so that's where I think, you know, and, and for the Lakers, like, they they need Randall to show out either to help, you know, be more confident in offering him a contract if it comes to that at, in this upcoming offseason, or or if they want to make his trade value higher, Brooke Lopez is a pretty good guy to help him do that. Um, the I wanted to really quickly talk about uh, offensively with Larry Nance Jr. versus Julius Randle. Just kind of get back and finish off that point I was making. Randle is more talented. Larry Nance Jr. I think is easier to, to help add to a good team. Like Randle, you kind of have to You kind of have to design stuff around his talents and his talents are pretty unique and can be kind of difficult to design stuff around so if that is the case you know maybe you go with like a Larry Nance Jr. who is you know he's he's gonna fill in as best he can uh he's he I think he's better defensively than Julius Randle is I don't think he's as good offensively as Julius Randle is and so long as Larry Nance Jr. is reluctant to shoot the shoot at all he, you almost can't play him
1: offensively. So well, I was, I was going That was gonna be my point. Was that Nance theoretically is a better fit for just like any team where he's just plug and play, but not if he would rather kick a puppy than shoot the ball. Like, you know, man. He did like he he needs to be willing to shoot when he's wide open and dark choice. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply anything. Larry Nance Jr. he seems like a nice guy. I doubt he wants to kick puppies. No, but uh, yeah, I, hi- I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. But he he also doesn't really like shooting the ball and uh, or seemingly when he's wide open, he's he's like too good of a teammate almost. He just he's confused that he doesn't think that he should ever shoot. He just would rather everyone else shoot. And sometimes you need to shoot if you' especially if you're wide open. Otherwise, defenses are just going to clog up the paint.
0: Yeah, I, he he needs to
1: shoot the ball, and until yeah, just when you're wide open, like yeah. you, it's nothing crazy. He doesn't need to go and start like jacking shots, but like when he's wide open, he needs to shoot. Well, and he and so and far he hasn't been doing that.
0: And here's where it really hurts. The so in terms of obviously it helps when your guys make baskets. Like that's <laughs> duh, right? Sources confirmed, <laughs> but where it hurts the lakers that he that he is reluctant to pull the trigger on these shots is when it it just throws off the rhythm of everything that you're trying to do offensively and you go from a situation where you created a good shot for somebody and they pass up on that shot and now all of a sudden you probably have to hand the ball to somebody late in the shot clock it's only 24 seconds Uh, on an NBA shot clock and usually if you get down there if you're playing in the half court you only have about 15 of those seconds to be you know once everything is set and you're into your Lakers might have a
1: little bit more than that this year with Lonzo, though
0: maybe yeah maybe but you still have to get everybody down there on off like yeah the you you
1: got to get going. You got to move. Yeah. The, 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 there's not a lot of time. That's the point.
0: The the ball the ball may beat you know most of your guys down the court, but eventually everybody needs to get there and get into their positions to run these things. So instead of having an open shot with say seven to ten seconds left on the shot clock, where it's uncontested and it's in rhythm for, in this case, Larry Nance Jr. to shoot it, if he passes up on that shot, it's probably going to take him a second or two to hesitate on it, and then you're getting the ball to somebody with, you know, six seconds or less on the shot clock and everybody knows that he has to create a a shot for himself. So his defender only has to focus on making sure this shot is as tough a shot as he can possibly make it. And by the way, the Lakers don't necessarily have anybody who can really create their own shot very well in offense. So it just it just it it sets in line the sequence of events that's going to lead to some contested probably a mid range jumper uh, that that will work out, you know, maybe two out of every five times, and it's just and it hurts. No, one out of every five times, and it just hurts everybody involved. So, so long as he's reluctant to shoot it, I'd rather have Kyle Kuzma out there. I'd like to see what the Lakers have there. We'll we'll take that as the next step in this. The second guy to get power forward minutes. Do you think it's Larry uh, Larry Nance Jr.? Do you think it's Lou Uh How quickly before. Kyle Kuzma kind of puts his foot in the door, uh, is somebody who the Lakers could look at here. Who's the next guy in the rotation for you? Behind Randall?
1: Yeah. I think Nance is still probably going to be the primary backup power forward, mm-hmm. I would imagine. I, I just don't see it. With, with all that caveats about him not being willing, willing to shoot, he does so many things at a competent to, a, like, uh, to like good level that he, it, he's the type of player coaches love. And so I think I don't see him losing minutes anytime soon. And so I think he's going to be out there. And I think that we should run down like this roster in terms of the front court. There are 96 front court minutes, 48 at center and 48 at power forward, unless I just made an embarrassing math error. <laughs> no, still good. So so the the Lakers have Brooke Lopez, Lou Aldang, Julius Randall, Larry Nance Jr., Avita Zubats, Kyle Kuzma and theoretically Thomas Bryant vying for those minutes. I think that Thomas Bryant is mostly going to be a D-League spot minutes injury insurance type guy, at least to start the year. I don't anticipate him really playing very much outside of blowouts because I think that it's going to be similar to how the Lakers used Zubats last season where he only really played at first when somebody was injured or if he was in the D-League and now G-League. And But even still, that leaves six guys to divide up those 96 minutes between if you want to get all of them on the floor. And good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be easy. I was trying to divide this up and how I would uh, delineate the minutes, and it's not easy. Even if you're playing guys at multiple positions, like Randall is playing a little bit of center and power forward, it's still it's tough to to parse this out and give everyone minutes. And the Lakers like all of these young guys, and you know they have Luol Deng, and so. It's just going to be – it's a log jam there for sure. And I think that – I don't know. Like where where are you – is there anybody – so like let's uh, – can we agree that Thomas Bryant is probably out of the rotation to start the year? He's probably not going to play a whole lot.
0: Yeah, he'll probably have a few DNP CDs, which is too bad because I still prefer him over Zubots, but
1: No, I, I think Thomas Bryant – I still like him as a prospect. I just think it's going to be a similar thing. He's a raw rookie. I think it's just going to take some time for him to crack that rotation. Yeah, no. So – But that leaves six guys. Uh, Out of Lopez, Dang, Randall, Nance, Zubats, and Kuzma, is there anybody that you anticipate not playing? The first two names that came to mind there were Dang and and Zubats. Yeah, I I think that's not... But realistically, I just think from a lot I just don't see Zubots getting totally benched unless he just has a horrific training camp. And I think same thing with Dang. Unless he's hurt, they're paying him so much money. I they they gotta try and play him a little bit, I think. Yeah. Even if it was a former regime's uh, a former regime's mistake. I think that it's in their best interest to get him out on the floor and make him look like he can play NBA basketball as they try to talk a team into trading for him with some type of asset i mean he's never going to play well enough that the team's just like oh that's our missing piece we got to go get Lou all dang but have him play well enough that you don't have to give up every young player on your roster to move his contract or or stretch him or whatever it may be which do you think is more likely and and this isn't to say that either is definitely
0: happening which do you think is more likely dang is benched outright or
1: dang and randall get traded as as a package as a package yeah i don't think i i don't think that's enough you'd have to attach more because randall's an expiring contract essentially nobody's going to trade for dang for the right to pay randall somewhere just south of the max you think he's getting that much huh i, I think his agent i mean his agent's going to fight for it I, I don't know how much he's actually going to get but i think he's probably going to get a substantial amount and i guess my point is that no team is going to trade for Dang for the right to pay Randall, whatever that may be. I guess probably not the not just south of the max, like I said, probably short of the max, but like a, still a significant amount, still like you know double digits in terms of millions. And I, I don't think anybody is going to trade, take on Dang's contract for the right to pay that deal. So you think it's that more would just likely... be bad asset management? I wouldn't think that the Lakers should do that. So, do you think the.
0: the so, it's, you think then, based on that answer, that it's more likely Deng gets benched outright?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's not even close for me. That's interesting to me. <laughs> like the, because it's like I said, even though I said it's in their best interest to make him look good, they may just decide, hey, this is our former regime's mistake. We, we're not going to play him. Like, he's a sunk cost. They could decide that. That's yeah. possible. How long do you think it takes before it reaches that point? He'd have to play pretty bad, I think, to start the season. In or both getting. positions, right? Yeah. And well, he... we already know he's going to play bad at power at small forward.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but for some reason, he still keeps getting minutes at small forward. So. Because
1: they, they were trying to get him on the floor. So I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they don't have a ton of wing depth. I mean, they could play Corey Brewer, but like, what's the point? How does that really benefit you? I don't know.
0: I, I actually kind of like Corey Brewer playing alongside Lonzo. Ball. I guess Corey I just Brewer think... playing
1: with Lonzo could yeah. be kind of fun, yeah. but I, just I think they're going to give Dang out transition. They're going to give Dang the chance first, I think. Yeah, so I just I, like from a locker room perspective from a he's a veteran he's a veteran guy perspective from uh, he's like the highest paid player on the team almost. Uh, if he's not, I forget if he or Lopez is making more off the top. I think Lopez is making more, right? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. He's yeah. one of the highest paid players on the team. I don't think that they're just going to bench him outright to start the season.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think he gets benched either, but I could see him
1: being like. I think eventually it's possible. I just don't think to start the year. Yeah, I. I, I but I think it it could actually happen rather quickly. You yeah, know? he's the second. He's the second, or uh, yeah, the third highest paid behind KCP. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny.
0: Uh, but I, I think. Dang, I think it, it's something—Dang being benched is something I could see happening in the first month of the season.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't—it wouldn't shock me if that's how it went down. Yeah. But I think to start the year, I had him getting 10 minutes a game at power forward. And here's the other thing, too. So all the Lakers really—so I've
0: been a lot—I'll I, I, say I'm as guilty as anybody as operating operating under the assumption that Dang has to be moved uh, ASAP. Right, and I and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Once he's out of this year's contract, like if he makes it through this entire year, that two-year deal at that point becomes pretty easy to stretch. Right, so like the yeah. the Lakers, if they enter a trade negotiation with a team, like that team can't try to operate as if they have all this leverage. And the Lakers should be giving up whatever they possibly can to get rid of lu Dang. I don't think that's the case at all. Like I think it. it all the Lakers need to do is make sure he gets through the season and, and uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't get hurt or whatever, whatever it is. Just, just so long as he lives through the season and uh, can be stretched at the end of the year, that's, I think, a better case, That's a better case scenario than having to attach multiple young pieces, multiple
1: assets to somebody just to get rid of their deal. I agree, and that's why I don't think that they should do that. I'm not of the mind that they should do that, but it just depends on how much cap space they can generate. I mean, they kind of, they kind of it's a math equation. If they really want those two maxes, they kind of have to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it, it's just you have to look across the league, and you have to find an expiring deal big enough uh, to to. Be swallowed into or to swallow Luol Deng's contract, and you have to find a team willing to pay Luol Deng and desperate enough for young assets to be able to pay Luol uh, to to be able to uh, you know continue their rebuild. The only team that really fits for me is the Chicago Bulls because they have Dwayne Wade steel and they are now because of the Jimmy Butler situation. The Jimmy Get Butler the Luol
1: Dang, I'm coming home. Montage ready. <laughs> yeah,
0: but that's the only reason I could see this playing out like that. Uh, that's the only place I could see maybe absorbing Luol's contract. But and, but and, what would
1: they? What's their motivation?
0: Well, right. I mean, it depends on what the Lakers would be offering. Would they take you know Luol Deng and Jordan Clarkson and Zubots or Nance or whatever? And if you're the Lakers, is it worth giving up Zubots
1: And uh, Clarkson. Uh, I mean, essentially, you're just no. Essentially, you kind of have to move Clarkson. So, yeah, uh, I think. But if if you want those two max spots, so So, I I don't know. Clarkson to me is. I think other teams are smart enough to know that the Lakers have to move him anyway, and they aren't going to let him be the primary asset they're getting back in any deal.
0: Yeah. So I don't. We'll see how this all plays out, but. These trades, like for anybody – I and I've spent a ton of time on, on ESPN's trade machine. These trades are not easy to – like it has to be – and, and, and here's, the, here's the issue. When there are so few ways for something to actually take place, that almost guarantees that that deal isn't going to take place. Because yep. if it's something that somebody who isn't getting paid to think of these things can figure out – chances are those who are actually getting paid are probably a little bit smarter than us and have thought about that before as well. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so that's why it's hard for me to see them moving him. And it's like way easier for me to see them just benching him outright in order to get more in the order to free up more minutes. It's way more likely to me that they end up moving Randall. I yeah. think I, as I was looking through these guys, I just think, that between them wanting cap space next summer and them having this log jam in the front court where if Kyle Kuzma looks anything in training camp like he did in summer league, they're going to want to play him. And I just think even though I think Randall could look like really, really freaking good with Lonzo, I just think that that that's the guy you move. I think he's the most likely to move because of the contract situation and because of the cap space and because of the power forward log jam. I just like like out of those guys, that's the most likely one to not be on the roster at the end of the year, to me. And and even then, and I agree. Like I'm the guy who predicted that. And I, I like think, Randall. Yeah. I'm like I'm higher on Randall than I think a lot of people are. I just think that it's a math equation. Yeah.
0: Well, again, the here's the thing. Because and and look, those of you who are listening right now, like you're probably pounding on your dashboard or or pounding on your desk. Like why haven't we heard more about Kyle Kuzma? I promise we're going to get to Kuzma here in a second. But regarding Randall. The Lakers have th- this front office have made it absolutely perfectly clear their intentions on how they're going to build this team moving forward. And it has everything to do with doing whatever they possibly can to get stars into Los Angeles. Period. That's yep. it. And yep. in order to do that, they need to clear I think it's it they they, they basically need to clear, we'll just say hypothetically 60 million dollars worth of cap space next yeah, year
1: that's about right
0: and they need and right now i think as it stands i think they're at like 52 or something it, it's they aren't all the way there and it's interesting no i they, don't even
1: they aren't even quite there
0: yeah I, they might be in the 40s to you know they but what they what they need to you know and, and it's funny when you hear magic they have
1: they, as of right now they are projected to have uh 35.1 million in cap space for and that's next if summer. they
0: renounce everybody
1: uh yes, I yeah. believe so.
0: That's crazy. So and and when you hear Magic and when you hear Palinka talk about what the Lakers can possibly do, they talk about that max cap space for two max guys as an inevitability, right? And <laughs> it's not one that it, it that isn't the case. I, I, they'd have to move Clarkson. They have to not pay Randall. They have to not pay Lopez. They have to not. I pay... actually
1: think that that might factor in Randall's cap hold the cap space. So they'd okay. have to renounce that they'd have to renounce. If they renounced him, they'd get another 12 million is my understanding.
0: Yeah. But they still have a ton of work to do to be able to get there. And it's not easy. And and as we saw this offseason, teams cap space is seen as this, this sacred thing. I'm I think <laughs> Polink actually called it sacred, right?
1: Yes, he did so. he say he called their 2018 cap space sacred in the, in one of his first, palinka analogies yeah so tm he's not i mean we
0: we you know we laughed at uh palinka calling it sacred but you look across the nba and that's how they're all looking at their cap space the the only team who was willing to fill their cap space this year was brooklyn and that's because that's all they could literally do to get young assets like you know d'angelo russell uh, Alan Crabb, somebody who they tried to pay the year before. Anyway, like this, these are things that these teams are trying to, you know, are trying to do and are finding it really hard to do. That is clear up cap space. So the Lakers, they have a ton of work ahead of them, and that's going to take some tough decisions to be able to make it happen. And in this case, trading Randall would be tough. It would be a bummer. I do like Julius Randall. He's put in incredible work on his body to transform himself this year. And it would suck if the result of that work is that he gets traded as a cap casualty. But that's the likeliest
1: way this all turns out, unfortunately. If the Lakers want to get those two max guys, and they keep saying that they do. They've given us no indication that that's not their plan. And Randall, just math-wise, just doesn't fit, really. And, and last
0: point on Randall, uh, for me, unless you have another one to add to this. But, but Randall is too valuable an asset to just renounce and lose for nothing.
1: You, he because yeah, that's the I, I don't only know what you could get for him as an expiring. I don't think that it's a ton, but you could probably get something. Yeah, I mean, you just you,
0: look. the The Bulls need young assets in this rebuild, and I keep I keep going back to the Bulls. And yes, you are paying <clears throat> for the opportunity, just like Dallas. I I, don't, I still don't think Nerlens Noel has signed in Dallas. Uh, no, he has not. Dallas, you know, they traded for the opportunity to pay Nerlens Noel and as evidenced by him not signing at this stage in August now they don't seem all that thrilled about having to pay him what the market might demand for him or you know and, and he might be not all that thrilled about what the market is demanding of him at this point in the at this stage in the off season so you're kind of paying for the opportunity to 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 kind of have a mexican standoff with a young talented athlete Uh, Which a lot of teams might not and, And especially like the Bulls are historically Cheap they haven't you know Necessarily been thrilled about paying their guys All the time so is that something That they would you know launch themselves into headlong into that situation? I don't know. But again, it's about finding situations for a trade like this to actually work.
1: The Bulls seem to like whatever scenario creates the most drama. So like, I could could definitely see them doing that. Like trading for Randall, who's not really a Fred Hoiberg Hoiberg player at all, either. No. I mean, I... We don't know how long Hoiberg's going to be around, but that's probably fair. I I do think I did think that it was interesting that they felt they needed to give a statement uh, that he would be the coach this year when he has like three, two or three years left on his deal.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll see how this Randall stuff turns out. Let's look at the back end of this rotation. We'll start with Kyle Kuzma. We all we a lot of people are operating under. If he replicates what we saw in Summer League, I he's not going to replicate
1: what we saw in Summer League. It's about trying yeah, to find yeah, you're just a hater, man. He could shoot fifty percent from three the whole year. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't see that necessarily happening.
0: Uh but hater. can he be seventy five percent of
1: what he was in Summer League? Oh, you're actually asking me that? Yeah, I, I have I have absolutely no idea. I I don't know uh, what to expect from him. I I think that the stuff that we saw from him in Summer League, though, does look to be, other than the shooting percentages, obviously, does look to be pretty transferable. The way that he did it, I think, will be transferable. I do think that he's going to struggle like all rookies struggle because he's going to be playing against actual NBA players. And Mm -hmm. we go through this every year with these rookies where people just assume that they're going to be ready to contribute right away. And it just doesn't happen because they aren't ready to play against grown men. And that's not what they're generally playing against in summer league, or at least not grown men as good as NBA players are. Mm -hmm. And so I I think 75 percent sounds reasonable ish. Probably. I'd probably go even lower than that, to be honest, just because he's he's a young rookie. And he was that good in summer league. Yeah. And he was so good in (laughs) summer league. Like, uh, when we, when we so, say,
0: when we say like, when, so for those
1: of you who might be like, oh, here's he was like Harrison. a religious experience in summer league in yeah. a couple of those games.
0: He was he uh, inarguably, I would say, no, it's, I wouldn't say inarguably, but he was the second best player I saw out there at summer league. The first being Lonzo, uh, so
1: it, Dennis, Dennis Smith jr. Was pretty good, man. Yeah, I
0: guess. But I, I, I still think I preferred, I thought, I thought, uh, Kyle kuzma's successes Lakers are more easily transformed yeah, yeah All like,
1: right whatever what's that I said Laker's exceptionalism strikes <laughs> again <laughs> yeah I, I well Dennis Smith the Lakers, Jr., like every he was good because player on he their was, roster was better than every other player that's yeah. why they won the title Matt Thomas um but i i
0: what what I mean when I say that like I thought Kyle Kuzma. What he did in Summer League is more easily transferable over to the NBA game because Dennis Smith Jr., like, his success came directly due to the fact that he's just a better athlete than everybody else out there I I feel like
1: that's going to be helped by playing with Dirk not hurt but we don't need to spend this debating Dennis Smith Jr's NBA potential the point is Kyle Kuzma was in the conversation and he was really good yeah and I don't think that that's going to necessarily immediately be the case at the NBA level it's just hard to make that transition and so while I'm really high on him going forward I don't know that we can start penciling him in for like 15 minutes a night right off the bat or something like that that like i when i was going through this i i figured about seven sounded reasonable to me to start the year seven minutes per game yeah yeah that was just where the math worked out with the distributions that i gave other guys well let's hear your distributions then you put so to so i got brooke lopez 25 minutes a game at center that's a little bit less than he played last year but we know that luke likes to go small more than most coaches uh i got dang 10 minutes at power forward randall 13 minutes each at center and power forward and these are obviously just estimations like i'm not trying to actually guess how many minutes luke is going to play these guys just around this Uh nance 18 minutes at power forward zubat's 10 minutes at center kuzma seven minutes at power forward that sounds all,
0: all all about right to me uh
1: how many minutes did you say uh randall or nance at center uh, Randall I had for 10, 13 minutes at center, and Nance I did not have playing center at all. Generally, Julius was the center in those arrangements. Yeah.
0: I could see Nance playing more center this year. Maybe. Um- because he's just better defensively than Randall is. So yeah, it's
1: not it's not crazy. I mean that that kind of stuff can happen. But generally, I, that was how the math made the most sense to me. But I'm also not an NBA coach. Yeah, so, and, well, it, what me. I
0: mean what I mean though is that like when they're playing alongside each other, I don't think we have to think about like all right, who's playing the center? Yeah, right it now?
1: really doesn't. It, it matters for defensive purposes, but nothing really else. Yeah, but what I mean though is that like I could see Luke trying
0: to get more minutes for Nance period, and that would mean he plays like maybe he takes a couple of uh, Zubots' minutes. Um, and plays center alongside, say, like, Dang, you know, or whatever yeah. it would be. Um, but we'll – I mean, look, the point of this podcast – and we aren't going to come to any any de- definitive answers on, on this stuff because – it's a really complicated situation.
1: Did any of those minutes numbers, though, jump out to you as outlandish? Those sound, I mean, that sounded about right to me.
0: Yeah, no. To I, start
1: I, the year. Reasonable. I mean, you could argue that Kuzma won't be in the rotation to start the year because he's a rookie and because the Lakers front court is so crowded. Or I could see maybe Zubots getting the cut there or you know I, I i i could see dang not even being healthy and not playing and it also but it also depends i think if how everybody's much, healthy that sounded about right to me
0: it also depends it depends on how much magic leans on luke walton in his coaching i don't think that they're going to lean on him very much at all well right and well the reason i say that is because so like it let's say let's say magic leans on luke a bunch right and that's something that you know he's really focused on like he's they have this uh line of communication and magic is taking part in in you know coaching decisions to so the most he possibly can if that would be the case i think dang doesn't play at all and i think kuzma gets as many minutes as he can possibly get Just so that they can kind of show like, hey, look at this guy that we found and look at this mistake that the previous regime made. Like I think that's something that would actually happen.
1: That's that's pretty petty to me, honestly. I think that it's in their best interest for Dang to look good because or at least competent because they they need a team to try it or they want would want a team to not be as reticent about taking on his salary. We've learned that magic is petty. Like I Maybe. I, I, I could never see it extending that far. But maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. I That that would not be something I'd anticipate. And, and
0: I'm saying like that's like, that would be... That's that a would maximum be,
1: pettiness. Yeah, like that would be the, the the
0: far end of that spectrum of a hypothetical that could maybe happen. That I don't think yeah. would actually happen, but like that's the far end of it. The other end of the spectrum is that Magic backs off completely and Luke just has free reign to do whatever he can. The Dodgers don't operate like, like that. that. The, the Dodgers don't operate like that. Like the Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zaidi, like they, they do talk to Dave Roberts and they say, hey, look, this is what the numbers are telling us. You should maybe bat somebody here. And like Yasiel Puig is the most talented eight hitter in, in Major League Baseball. And that was – and he's been great in that role. And that's something that the, the, the numbers kind of told him, like, hey, this is something that we should maybe try out. And he's been great there. And they've been rewarded for that line of communication. So if Magic is paying attention to that, he might say, hey.
1: You might look up some synergy numbers and hand them out to Luke Walton.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, you know, I, I think uh, communication is almost never a bad thing. And we've done a lot of communication on this podcast, so we're going to have to wrap up here pretty shortly. But I think what, what I think we could see is Magic has conversations with Luke, but I don't think he ever puts his foot down and says, no, this is how the rotation is going to go.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think they'll definitely talk for yeah, sure
0: about about they're obviously going to talk throughout the season. But I'm talking about like they'll have conversations about like, hey, what do you think about? Yeah, I think it'll be so
1: informal, so more like not. Here's what you should do. It'll be like, OK, well, what are you thinking about this? What's your thought process? That kind of stuff. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. All
1: yeah. right. Uh, so to 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 put a bow on
0: all this, to tie a bow on all this. We think Randall is the starting power forward. That's the most that's that's one of the most definitive things that I think we can we can predict. I, no, I think Brooke Lopez being the starting
1: center is the most definitive that's, thing right. that
0: we can. <laughs> there you go. Uh, after that, there isn't very much that I can I I would, you know, gamble my own hard-earned
1: money on. <laughs> no, nothing would nothing would surprise me.
0: Yeah. So, uh, maybe as the off-season goes along and as you, as we hear more, you know, as Did you know we're like Less than are we a month away from from preseason? Uh, not not preseason games, but like training camp. Kicking no, out? I
1: I did know, and um, uh, you know, I I feel like I haven't gotten an off season yet, so I'm looking forward to getting a couple days off before the next show, and hopefully nothing major happens, and the Lakers just you know have a nice quiet August. That'd be nice for me.
0: How did that happen already? That's insane.
1: Yeah, the uh, the NBA is a 365 day league now,
0: man. <laughs> that's true. Uh so we'll see, you know, as more, you know, comes out about, you know, maybe the direction that Luke Walton or the coaching staff thinks that this front court should uh play out. But as of right now, other than those two things that we said at the top, that Brooke Lopez and, and Julius Randle are gonna be the starters to start the season, injury withstanding. Uh after that, it's a whole bunch of questions. And it's perfectly yep. fair if you walk away from this and you say, Hey, well, we'd like a little bit more than, than questions. I that's the business. Harrison and I are not in the business of bullcrapping to give you definitive answers. If we don't know something, we're gonna say we don't know it, but we're gonna give you as educated a guess that we can possibly give you. And that unfortunately right now, because of how many questions go are, are, are running throughout this Lakers front court that's really all Harrison and I can do at this moment in time and we'll see how this shakes out as the year as the off season and as the, as the actual season actually plays out
1: yeah. But for those of you searching for definitive answers on something, I decided to do a very important interview this weekend. I saw that Nick Van Exel was t- doing a live tweet. He was live tweeting a Q&A from his account after recovering from knee surgery. So, you know, hopefully Nick Van Exel starts to feel a little bit better soon and has less time to interact with people on Twitter because that would mean he was able to, you know, get back out and about. But I, I know Anthony. He is uh, near and dear to your heart and one of your favorite players ever. Ever. So, I, yeah, so I thought that I'd take it upon myself to uh, send him your highlight tapes <laughs> and ask him whether or not he or you, he right now recovering from knee surgery and on bed rest, would win in a game of one on one or you from the Euro Stumble game. And I sent him that clip and he said, at least he got off the ground. I'm going to go with him at his current state, lol. <laughs> so Nick Van Exel just said that you could beat him in one-on-one. Like, how excited is eight-year-old you now?
0: Honestly, like, if I if I was to go back in time and tell eight-year-old me that, A, Nick Van Exel would ever see me playing basketball... And maybe leave out of the conversation that you know what he actually. It saw. It wasn't me well. From. Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't like a great clip. <laughs> like I'm gonna leave out. I'm gonna leave out of the conversation what he actually saw from my from my basketball talents. But if I was if I was to go back and tell eight year old me, and by the way, eight year old me. So if you ever look up uh, Nick Van Exel highlights, he had this thing where he would like make a three, and he would do like he'd throw punches on his way back down the court i thought that was the coolest thing ever so in a basketball game eight-year-old me made a basket and then threw punches on my way back down the court it looked way less cooler than nick van Exel, but it's something that actually happened and so like if i was to tell that eight-year-old me that nick van Exel at any point in my life would admit to you know me being able to beat him uh one-on-one eight-year-old me would
1: faint (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, I think that the one disclaimer we give here is that, you know, if you can't make a basket, I still got bedridden Nick Van Exel. But, you know, maybe maybe one of those Euro stumbles would uh, would drop in.
0: It's honestly, it would be the saddest
1: game of one-on-one ever played. <laughs> Nick Van Exel literally in a bed versus versus you missing after layups. having eaten a burrito and drank a margarita <laughs> missing
0: missing layups without because Van Exel couldn't actually guard me because he couldn't
1: move just I'd tripping be... over the gurney. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Yeah. It would be, it would be some sad stuff. So, uh, but I do appreciate that. I saw that while I was out, uh, in, in big bear and in, like I thought a, I had a shot of you not seeing it. Damn. Okay. No, no, I, I saw it and I, and I actually replied to it. Like I said that I am that guy. And cause I, like I said, over this weekend I was hurt. So I was like, I'm also on the DL. It would just be a really sad game of one-on-one.
1: Yeah. Well, so. you know, we all wither and get old and injured and, die eventually in our sleep i hurt myself sleeping unbelievable that was a really bright ending to the show yeah (laughs) anyway
0: (laughs) anywho as always find our shows on audio boom itunes silver screen roll TuneIn, stitcher and today's fast break today's today's show was just a little bit longer than usual and frankly it's because of how intricate (laughs) what we were talking about is and also because we are only doing two shows per week we kind of figured uh those shows that we actually do give you we'd really try to hammer it out so hope everybody enjoyed this as always if you have requests for stuff to talk about on the show leave it in the itunes reviews a
1: five-star review and whatever we will probably take some of those on friday
0: yeah well maybe we have a guest on friday so we'll see how well we'll get we'll
1: get some of his opinions on them
0: maybe uh so uh have a good rest of your week we'll talk to everybody again on friday uh i'm gonna try to ice up this foot that i hurt sleeping and and maybe try to we should try to get this game of one on one together between me and me and Nick the Quick. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Have a good one everybody.